Psalms 102. It won't be too long that we're going to be done. We're, uh, I think we're only going to Psalms 106 or 107. I can't remember. But um, after that, I'm planning on going to Revelation after that. That is the plan. So I have, I have never preached chapter by chapter through the book of Revelation. So I've, I've preached a lot on end times and stuff, but I've never, uh, never done a verse by verse through the book of Revelation. So I'm looking forward to that. So I think that'll be good. And uh, that'll take us through the winter months. So that'll help motivate y'all to get out, you know, in the snowy weather and stuff like that. But uh, maybe we'll cancel the live stream uh, <laughs> during that time. So that way, that way, you're just, it's just tough luck. No, we won't do that. But anyway, Psalms 102. Uh, we're just going to read this chapter as we go. It's a little uh, longer of a chapter for the book of Psalms. There's 28 verses in this one. But uh, I'm going to start off reading. In verse 1 it says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Incline thine ear unto me in the day when I call. Answer me speedily. So we see this is a prayer here. And notice uh, the title above it. I don't know if all the Bibles have this in there, but does yours have a title above the chapter there? And it said, notice what it says. It says, A prayer of the afflicted when he is overwhelmed and poureth out his complaint before the Lord. Is that in everybody's Bible? Alright. I thought sometimes they didn't have them in there. But anyway, right there, I like that because that's exactly what we're going to see in this chapter. And this is good. There's some really good stuff in here. You know, hopefully you're not overwhelmed right now. Hopefully you're not afflicted right now. But you know what? There's going to be times when you are overwhelmed. There's going to be times when you are afflicted. And you need to know how to pray when those times come. And I think we're going to see some great lessons here. And I think too, there, and we're going to get into this a little bit, uh, the kind of the context of this specific prayer. I kind of have an opinion, I think, of when this psalm was written. And I do think it's about something specific. But at the same time, the way I want to preach this tonight, I want to, I want to preach in a way where you can apply it to yourself. I want us to take this and apply it to ourselves. And so it's something that is for somebody who's afflicted, when you're overwhelmed. Has anybody ever felt overwhelmed before? Alright, am I the only one that's ever felt overwhelmed where you're just like, what do I do? Alright, you know, I'm in trouble. And, you know, you even go to pray and you're just so overwhelmed, you're just like, I don't even know where to start. And you, have you ever prayed before? And maybe you did, you prayed a lot and you kind of felt like you were complaining. Well, you know what? I think it's okay to do that. I don't know if you have noticed this, but God wants to hear our prayers. He wants us to go down off, and Jesus told a lot of parables about that. And notice in this title, it talks about him pouring out his complaint before the Lord. Now, there's a difference between you know complaint, a complaint, and or complaining, and kind of how we complain sometimes. All right, we kind of look at complaining as a bad thing, but there's a difference between just like a legitimate complaint and then just whining and murmuring. Okay, And we see in the Bible, God doesn't like the whining and murmuring because usually with that comes a lot of doubt, uh, a lot of rebellion. We see the children of Israel were constantly murmuring and, and, and they were complaining, but it wasn't a complaint of faith. And you know, whenever you do, whenever you go to the Lord and you have a problem and you bring that problem to Him, you're bringing a complaint. Okay, Has anybody ever filled out a complaint? You know, or maybe where you work, or you, you've reported a complaint to your boss. I've been doing a lot of those lately. But um, you know, and, and sometimes you do, it with a, you do it with a good attitude. Sometimes you do it with the right spirit. Sometimes you don't. Had a little bit of both in that area too. But anyway, 
you know, much of what we're going to see here in this chapter, something we need to keep in mind. And it's another thing too. We've got. I'm going to need to remind you of this. When you're in the book of Psalms, it's a song. There's a lot of things in here that's poetic. All right, it's not literal. People sometimes go crazy literal with the book of Psalms, and it ends up leading them into just weird doctrines a lot of times. You got to be careful with that. Sometimes things are speaking metaphorically. All right, and you're going to notice a lot of what is said in here. It is. It's very dramatic. Okay. And this is a psalm, too. This is something they were supposed to sing. So they're supposed to sing this prayer. That's okay. And there's songs that we sing that are. There's, there's songs that are they're kind of prayer songs. And the, the verses a lot of times kind of have a lot of, uh, you know, woe is me type verses. Uh, we've, all, we've all heard those songs. But then usually it has an uplifting chorus or a good ending. You know, that, that's what a good song does anyway. But often when we are down and discouraged... We say some pretty extreme things, don't we? You know, we'll say things, you know, like, I just want to die. Alright? But do we really want to die? Okay, we might say that, but truth is, if I came up to you after you said, I just want to die right now, and I had a gun, and I was like, okay, you'd be like, no, no, no. <laughs> but, but why do we say that? Alright? Why do we say things like, I want to die? It's just, that's just how we feel. Okay? You know, I feel like I got hit by a truck. When you gave me that news. Well, have you ever been hit by a truck? I'm pretty sure it probably feels worse than that. All right? But we're, we, get, we get dramatic, don't we? When we're overwhelmed. You know, say, I just, I can't go on anymore. Really? You know, you can't walk. You know, you just, you're just, so you're just going to give up. You're just going to lay down. You're never going to get up again. All right? Are, 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 do any of us mean that when we say that? Are we talking literally? Or are we being dramatic? Are we being emotional? Okay? You know, how many have ever said this before? You know, if I eat one more bite, I'll explode. Okay? What are we trying to do? We're trying to just illustrate how full we feel we are. None of us think if we take one more bite, we're literally going to explode. And I need to say all that because we see some pretty dramatic things in this passage. So what he's praying here, and he's saying, you know, asking the Lord to hear him. He says, Hide not thy face from me. In the day when I am in trouble, incline thine ear unto me. In the day when I call, answer me speedily. Sometimes when we're praying, when we're overwhelmed, we often feel like God isn't listening or God's taking His time. Have you ever felt that way before? Like, Lord, are you listening? Okay, now, we all know the verse in the Bible where Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Do any of us really think that God can't hear our prayer? Okay, but do we often feel like He can't hear our prayer? Do we often, do we, you know, we all understand that God does everything right in His time. Correct? But does it ever feel like God is dragging His feet? It really does sometimes. It feels like, it almost feels like He's messing with us sometimes. You know? You know, it's like, Lord, are, are you, if you're trying to test my faith, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure I've passed by now. Can you just, <laughs> can you speed this thing up? Give me my reward. I, I, I've been there before. You know, and so we do, we often feel that way. Look, verse 3 says, For my days are consumed like smoke, and my bones are burned as an hearth. My heart is smitten and withered like grass, so that I forget, forget to eat my bread. By reason of the voice of my groanings, my bones cleave to my skin. Okay? Is this literal? No, this is how he feels. Alright? This is just how he feels. 
And when we feel a certain way, do you know it's okay when you're praying to just let God know? Y'all realize that He knows how you feel. Okay, He knows you better than you know. And I believe it's a good thing for us when we pray to just get real with God and just get serious with God. You know, you don't even need to get together. Some people too when they pray, and I know there's a difference between public prayer and private prayer. But you know, you get these people, they want, they want to do these big eloquent prayers. You know, and just using all these these and thous. We don't talk that way. Alright, why are you talking, why are you praying like that? You know, you think you're impressing God with your vocabulary? Do you realize that He calleth all the stars by their names? Do you realize that our alphabet doesn't have enough combinations to name all of the stars? And you think you're going to impress God with your vocabulary because you're saying thee and thou and, you know, hence and all these things, you know, whatever. <laughs> just these, these old words that we just don't say in our normal vocabulary. But are, that are, that are biblical words. You know what? Just go ahead and get real with God. Let Him know how you feel. Pour out your heart to Him. That's what I believe this psalm is telling us to do. Let it go ahead and tell Him how you feel. Look at verse 6. It says, I am like a pelican of the wilderness. I am like an owl of the desert. I watch and am as a sparrow alone upon the housetop. Now, what does that mean? Alright. I'm like a pelican of the wilderness. I am like an owl of the desert. Okay? Now, this is what I think this means. Alright? I didn't read any commentaries or anything like this. I'm reading this and I'm thinking. Alright? Now, I'm, I'm not real smart with nature, okay? But pelicans and owls, alright? Only time I've ever seen owls out in the wild, it's been around, it's usually around water. So when it's talking about an owl in the desert and pelicans, they're usually around water too, aren't they? You know what it's saying, I think, right here? It's talking about them being out of place. That's what he's saying. I feel like I'm out of place. I'm somewhere where I don't belong. He mentions I'm, I'm as a sparrow alone upon a housetop. Usually when you see a sparrow, they're in a group, don't you? So you know what he's saying right here in this passage? He's saying, I feel totally out of place and totally alone. And that's how we often feel about things. We feel out of place, out of loans, like, Lord, how, how did I get in this situation? There's been times before, too, especially when we started the church, when I started pastoring this church, I just felt out of place. Like, Lord, you sure I was supposed to be a pastor? You know, I, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. You know, I, I feel that way sometimes. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm all by myself. I'm all alone. I'm out of place. I'm pretty sure this isn't where I belong. What were you thinking, Lord? That's how we feel. We often feel like we're out of place and we're all alone. And you know what? Just pour that out to God. And I believe that's what he's saying right there in that passage. Look at verse 8. Mine enemies reproach me all the day, and they that are mad against me are sworn against me. We often feel like everyone is against us. And is that the case too? You know, everyone's against me. No, they're not. Okay, You know, the problem that we have many times is whenever we're down and wherever we're discouraged, we get really self-centered, don't we? And some, some people are so self-centered that they can't watch two people have a conversation without them thinking they're talking about me. Oh, really? You know, you're, you're that important that you know, every, I, just, I know everybody in the church is talking about me. Everybody in the church is gossiping about me. Everybody in the church hates me. You know what I tell people sometimes they have that attitude that everybody hates you? 
I've told some people, you know, you're not worth hating. You're not doing anything to cause anyone to hate you. You're not accomplishing anything. You're not doing anything. You know, if you want to be hated, you got to be doing something, all right? And you know what? Who hates a person that just isn't doing anything? All right? You don't hate those people. And so, for somebody to think that everybody hates them, how arrogant can you be? You're almost as arrogant as the person who thinks everyone loves them. All right? But not, not quite. All right? But you're in second place. All right? They've got you beat. So just think, remember that when you're walking around and when you're going around feeling sorry for yourself, thinking everybody's against me, everybody hates me, just admit you're a self-obsessed person and you're full of yourself and you need to get over yourself. Okay? Everybody doesn't hate you. In fact, I hate to break this to you, but nobody's thinking about you right now. Alright? You know, that, that, that's the truth. You're not, you are not the subject of the conversation. That almost makes them feel worse. I, I've told people that stuff before. And you are, you, you, they do, they, it's like they walk into church and everybody's talking about them. You know, if they don't show up for church, you know, they're convinced everybody was talking about me and it's like, you know, I hate to break it to you, but nobody noticed. Alright? And so just get over yourself. But we do. A lot of these things that happen to us, they happen in our mind. And we've got to understand this too. And I think we see a lot of this in this passage. All these things that are happening, happening, they're not literal. This is just how He feels. And when we get in this place where we are feeling this way, when we think that everybody's against us, you know, we're in a vulnerable position. And if, you've, if you're feeling that way, so, you know, I don't, I don't think we ought to go to God just complaining. And Listen, if you're feeling this way, He's exactly who you need to be going to. He's exactly the one you need to be going to. You can't just sit and wallow in that. You know what you've got to do? You've got to get to the one that can help you with that. And you've got to just pour out that prayer to Him. And you've got to let Him know what you're feeling. He already knows you're feeling it anyway. So you might as well just be honest and let Him know. Look at verse 9. It says, for I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping. Alright? I think what he's saying right here is this, you know, we often come to a place where we just can't enjoy anything. You know, it's just like, might as well eat ashes. You know, and isn't that, isn't that the song people sing too? You know, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I'm going to eat some worms. Where did that come from? That came from the book of Psalms right there, you know. But it's the same attitude though, isn't it? When you're really feeling sorry for yourself, it's just like, you know, some people are different. You know, everybody deals with depression and stuff differently. Some people, when they're down in the press, they've got their comfort food and things that they go to. You know, they go straight to the ice cream uh, in the freezer or, you know, maybe they go for their favorite, their favorite steak or whatever. But you know what some people do? They either just don't eat or they eat stuff that most of us wouldn't want to eat. It's like, you know what? I'm down. I'm depressed. I don't want to eat a steak because eating a steak was going to put me in a good mood. So yeah, I'm going to go eat cheese. All right, you know, I'm, I'm going to go eat something that's disgusting as a way to feel sorry for myself. And it is, it's because we do often when we get really down, we do we kind of sometimes we enjoy feeling sorry for ourselves. And if we're doing things that are seen as pleasurable, then it's going to be hard for us to feel sorry for ourselves. So what do we do? We deny ourselves those things so we can kind of just stay down there in the pit feeling sorry for ourselves. 
And so I think that's kind of what he's talking about there in verse 9. Verse 10 says, Because of thine indignation and thy wrath, for thou hast lifted me up and cast me down. Okay? We often feel like God's the one beating up on us, don't we? We often, you know, how many have ever prayed before and said, you know, Lord, what are you doing to me? Okay? And I, I don't want anybody to think I'm picking on anybody if you have ever felt this way before, because I have felt every one of these things before. All right? I'm not picking on anybody. There's going to be times where you're going to feel this way. Bad stuff happens in this life. I'm just trying to show you all this because we're going to get to kind of how to deal with it when you get to feeling this way. And the first thing we see is you, do, you need to pour that your complaint out to the Lord. That's one of the first things you, you need to do is pour your complaint out to the Lord. I don't see in this passage where you're a bad person if you feel this way. I, I don't see that. And I know I wouldn't call you a bad person if you feel this way because otherwise I'm a bad person. All right? a, a really bad person. But uh, look at verse 11. It says, My days are like a shadow that declineth, and I am withered like the grass. I, sometimes we just feel like we're wasting away. Our life is gone. You know, here I am, 37 years old. My life's probably halfway over. What have I accomplished? You know, it's just, just about done for. That's, that's how we feel. That's not, that's not a good place. That's not something uh, that we want to feel. So verse um, 12, so he's saying right here, he's like, I feel like I'm withering away. I feel, I feel like I'm just about done. It's just about over for me. My life is finished. But then in verse 12, he says, But thou, O Lord, shalt endure forever in thy remembrance unto all generations. Okay. Notice, so now here's where things kind of start, we can kind of start seeing a turn, you can say. This is where we start seeing what we need to do whenever we are feeling these feelings. Okay. And when you feel these things, and if you don't feel this way now, you're going to feel like it sometimes. But when you start feeling this, go ahead and pour it out to the Lord. Go ahead and be honest and say whatever it is that you say. You know, we all have our things. You know, I'm in the depths of despair. I wish I was never born or whatever. You know, I don't know what kind of dramatic saying you have. I'm sure everybody's kind of got their own thing. But go ahead and say it to the Lord. He already knows you're feeling it. And then pray. But then notice what he does here. You know, in this prayer, you know, notice how after his feelings have been expressed, this almost he switches to focusing on the promises that are to come. Okay? So he mentions, But thou, O Lord, shalt endure forever. Now, why is he mentioning that? Because, you know, if I'm praying this, I'm the one that's withering away here. I'm the one that's just about done for. I'm the one that has no hope. Aren't I supposed to be praying for myself right now? So why am I all of a sudden going to start finding comfort? And well, Lord, you're going to endure forever. You're going to be remembered forever. What about me? I, I'm, I'm needing some help here. I don't want to wither away. Why is he switching and focus the Lord? Before we get into that, I want you to turn over to Isaiah chapter uh, chapter sixty four, verse ten through twelve. I want to show you something in here before we start reading the rest of this chapter. I, I, and I could be I could be dead wrong on this. I could I could be totally wrong on this. But I I personally think 
that this psalm is probably from around this time right here in Isaiah. But notice what it says in Isaiah 64, verse 10. It says, Thy holy cities are a wilderness. Zion is a wilderness. Jerusalem a desolation. Our holy and our beautiful house where our fathers praise Thee is burned up with fire and all our pleasant things are laid waste. Wilt Thou refrain Thyself for these things, O Lord? Wilt Thou hold Thy peace and afflict us very sore? So right here in that, that passage right there, you all know what happened historically. You know The Babylonians eventually they came and took over. God ended up judging Israel and they were going to go into captivity for 70 years. And when they did, when they came through, one of the things they did, they destroyed the temple. They were taken captive. This was a very low point in Israel's history. And I personally think that this psalm is probably something that they sang around during that time. It was probably written during this time when Israel was lower than they'd ever been before. Where they were in big trouble. They were being punished by God. God was punishing them through the hand of the Chaldeans. He let all this, these terrible things happen. He let their temple be destroyed. And there was, a, there was a reason for this. You know, There was a lot of sin. God had given them plenty of warning. God had sent them prophet after prophet. And they just kind of ignored. So kind of keep that in mind. That the, I personally think this is around the time that this psalm was written. But uh, let's go ahead and read some more of these verses. It says in verse 13, Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion for the time to favor her. Yea, the set time has come. For thy servants take pleasure in her stones and favor the dust thereof. So the heathen shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth thy glory. I think when he's talking about thy servants take pleasure in her stones and favor the dust thereof. I think he's saying, you know, talking about the temple specifically. You know, hey, take pleasure in this. Let us rebuild this. That temple, it was kind of a, it was a symbol of a lot of things. First off, it was where they did a lot of their ceremonial things. It was where they did their sacrifices. It was where the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies. It was a very important place. And when that temple was, you know, when it was originally built, I mean, it was a magnificent thing to behold. It was something people would come from all over and they would see this. It was just kind of a symbol of their God and it was a symbol of the presence of God. And here they are. The people who had got it brought out of Egypt that the whole world knew about, here they are destroyed and their temple is gone. It looks like, to the heathen, it looks like God has been defeated. I mean, think about it. If you were Nebuchadnezzar, you would think, we defeated God. And remember, I showed this book to you before in some of the, uh, one of the previous Psalms. I don't remember which one it was. But the whole world knew about what had happened in the uh, Exodus and in Egypt and how God brought the children of Israel. The whole world knew about that. The whole world knew about their God and how strong He was. Remember Rahab the harlot, she talked about how the people in Jericho, their hearts melted at the thought of Israel coming after them. They had hardly any weapons and here they were with these gigantic walls and the hearts of the people of Jericho melted. You know why? Because everybody knew about their God. So just imagine how it looked too. And think about this. Not many years before when Sennacherib tried taking over, he failed against Israel. Israel had a little revival. They got right. And God defeated 
this king that was just, I mean, taken over the world. Nobody could stop him. But you know what? The God of Israel stopped him. So just imagine what Nebuchadnezzar's thinking when he goes and he defeats them. And you know what? Nebuchadnezzar struggled with pride. Didn't he? And I think part of that is because he's thinking, man, I, I beat your God. And we all know the story about how God ended up humbling him. He turned, gave him the heart of a beast and he lived like an animal for seven years. God ended up humbling him. Nebuchadnezzar ended up getting right. But understand that things look bad in Israel right now. It looks like God has been defeated. That, that's how it's looking. And you know what? There's many times in our life where it looks like you know, God's against us. It looks like, you know, Paul talked a lot about not being ashamed of me, his prisoner. Okay, now why would they have been ashamed of Paul being a prisoner? Well, because don't isn't it usually embarrassing when someone's in prison? Alright? Have you ever had a family member go to prison? Alright? They're not usually the one you talk about. Alright? You know, they're not usually the one that everybody's proud of, you know. Uh, you don't usually send out the Christmas letter about that. You just, you know, that's just kind of how we feel. It's it's a embarrassing. It can be an embarrassing thing. And a lot, and oftentimes, whenever we're going through hard times, whenever bad things are happening to us, maybe we're sick. You know, maybe we lose a loved one. It we feel like God is against us, and it looks bad too. Especially if you're somebody that's been trying to have a testimony, trying to be a witness. And people kind of have this attitude that everything's just hunky-dory when you're a Christian. But often, we suffer. Often we struggle. And you know what? When that comes, we're not supposed to be ashamed of that. But the world will often look at us and say, you know, where's your God now? You know, where's your, you know, where's your God when you've got the cancer? Where's your God when you're going through those hard times, when you're struggling financially, you know, when your car gets repoed and your house gets burnt down? And, you know, where is your God? That's the attitude people have. But is just because bad things happen, does that mean God's not with us? Does that mean we're out of God's will? No, it doesn't. But it's easy for us to think that. And it's easy for us to get ashamed because we know that everyone else thinks that. And, and you know, I, I pray... I pray that I never have any kind of tragedy. Alright? I'm, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure eventually there's going to be some tragedies. Alright? Me and my wife, one of us are going to lose the other one first. Alright? We're not going to live forever. Okay? Eventually we're going to have some kind of tragedy. I'm not looking for a tragedy. I don't want to have a tragedy. But at the same time, you know how much judgment I've had called down on me in the last couple of years? Alright? I've had so much judgment called down on me. Now the Lord has blessed I mean, like crazy the last couple of years. And you know one thing? I, I refuse to brag about it. I, I just, I refuse to brag about it because first, I've had so much judgment called down on me. If something happens, I know what everybody's going to say. I know everybody's attitude. You know, that's what he gets. And you know what? That, if that happens, that will stink. I will not enjoy that one bit. And it will be very easy for me to feel ashamed during that time. But should I be? Obviously, I shouldn't. But I'm going to feel that way. You know, if I was, if I was still in the club, if, you know, if my whole family died, you know, then I would be Job. 
But now that I've been kicked out of the club, you know, now I'm getting the judgment of God. And the exact same thing happens. This is the way it goes. And so it's easy to get ashamed. And, you know, I would probably pray something like, Hey, Lord, can you please let everyone know you're on my side? Why are you beating up on me? I'm trying to do the right thing. You know, Lord, you know, help me out here. And that's kind of what they're praying here in these verses. Look at verse 15. So the heathen shall fear that fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth thy glory. Lord, I got lost people looking at me. I've been trying to be a witness to them and tell them, I've told them how great you are and how good it is to be a Christian, and here I am suffering. You know, Lord, can you can you bless me for their sake? Can you please do that? And then look, verse 16, when the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. This shall be written for the generation to come and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord for he hath looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From heaven did the Lord behold the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner to loose those that are appointed to death to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the people are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the Lord. Now, right there, it kind of sounds end times, doesn't it? It kind of has an end times ring to it. And you know what? I think we can apply this. I think there uh, there could be a prophetic, uh, I think a prophetic slant to that, especially when it talks about him appearing in his glory. And you all realize, you know, according to the Bible, when Jesus Christ comes back, it's going to be during a terrible, terrible time. It's going to be during a terrible, terrible time when people are going to be calling for the Lord. Like, hey, Lord, we're being reproached for Your name. We're being hated. We're being persecuted. We're going through all this. We're trying to be a witness. But you know what? It stinks to be a Christian right now. Lord, for the heathen. You know, can you lift this up? But you know what? Sometimes God is, you know, sometimes God is glorified in destroying the heathen. Sometimes God is glorified through judgment and justice. And there are, and God's, the thing is too, and here's the thing we've got to keep in our minds. This is what the prosperity preachers don't understand. Okay? If being a Christian and being right with God meant everything's going to be great, you're always going to have a lot of money, and you're never going to have any tragedies, then why would people obey the commandments of God for money? I'm just going to obey God so I can have more money in my wallet. Well, you know what? God actually wants us to obey Him just by faith. So what happens when we're being obedient to God even when everything's going bad? When everything's going bad and we're obeying Him, that shows we really have faith. That shows we really believe His Word even when everything's against us, even when everything's going bad, and here we are, we're just, we keep plugging along, we're doing what God said. That shows that we really have faith. So that's what we've got to keep in mind. So, um, and it says here, you know, the Lord, he, you know, he looked down from heaven. Verse 19. You know, the Lord did behold the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to loose those that are appointed to death. He hears what's going on, and there is a day coming where he's going to deal with it. These prayers that we pray, that we often feel like they don't get answered, you all realize you know, in Revelation it talks about, you know, there's tears that are bottled up in heaven and there's, there's the prayers of the saints 
that one of these days are going to get poured out on this earth. And so, you know, I like to think that I've said enough prayers that, you know, maybe my prayers will help, I don't know, sink a city or something. I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to work. <laughs> I'd like to think it's going to pack a punch somewhere. Alright? But here's the thing. If we're not praying, it's not going to do us any good. But one of these days, God's going to deal with it. So what we have to do when we're feeling this way, when we're down, we keep our focus on on God. Understanding that you know He's going to be fine. He's got promises that He's going to fulfill. He might not fulfill them in my, my day. I might not see it in my lifetime. But God is going to straighten everything out. I might go to the grave in shame. I might go to the grave in embarrassment, but you know what? There is a day coming where I'm going to stand before God and everyone's going to see what happens. If I get rewarded, everyone's going to see it. If I don't, everyone's going to see it. So we just need to keep our focus on those things. Look at verse 21. So to declare his name, the name of the Lord in Zion and His praise in Jerusalem, when the people are gathered together in the kingdoms to serve the Lord, He weakened my strength in the way. He shortened my days. I said, Oh my God, take me not away in the midst of my days. Thy years are throughout all generations. I I find it funny here how he's talking about, don't take me away in the midst of my days. Well, earlier in the chapter, you were talking about how you were just about done for. You were just about withered away. Okay? Once again, just that's how he felt. It says, Of old... Thou hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. The children of thy servants shall continue, and their seed shall be established before these. So many of these promises we see are about you know how he is not okay, but God will be okay. Okay? And while there's no future for us, there is a future if we're with God. Because notice in verse 28, the children of thy servant shall continue, and their seed shall be established before thee. See, sometimes, you know, when things are tough and we can't seem to get victory. We need to stop focusing on ourselves and we just need to get close to God. Have you ever just felt like a loser for so long? You just, you wanted to, I don't know. Sometimes as a Bears fan, you get so tired of rooting for the losing team, it's like, you know what, I'm just going to vote for the other team. <laughs> that way I can actually have, be on the winning side of something, alright? I've especially felt that way as a Cub fan. Over the years, too. There were many years I felt that way as a Cub fan. It's like, you know, I'm just going to root for the other team. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to pick a new team so I can finally be on the winning side. Well, you know what? That's kind of what we need to do when it comes to our life when you're feeling down and you just keep on losing. Just say, you know what? I'm always failing. I'm always failing. So you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to get with God. You know what? Instead of me trying to figure out what I can do to advance my will and to advance my agenda, I'm just going to get in on God's agenda. Seeing that He's going to win, I might as well just get on His side. If I do my own thing, I'm bound to lose. But if I get on His side, I'm guaranteed a victory. That's what I think He's talking about right here. 
And you know what the problem was that Israel had during that time? They got where they were because they started following after other gods. They started just doing their own thing. They were constantly going back to just doing what was right in their own eyes. And guess what would happen? They kept losing, they kept losing, and losing, and losing. And finally, you know, they just needed to say, you know what, we've got to get on the Lord's side. We've just got to, I mean, just get on board with Him and do what He says to do. And if we'll do these things, we'll be fine. If, we, if, if we'll just do that, we'll be okay. And so, you know, sometimes maybe what we just need to sing, whenever we're down and we're singing the blues, maybe we're singing the first part of Psalms 102, you know, you sing the songs like, you know, everything's alright in my Father's house. Okay? And you, why do you sing that? Because you understand, like, okay, I'm a mess, but everything's okay in my Father's house. Everything's okay with God. What's that going to make you do? That's going to make you say, alright, how can I get closer to Him? Let me get on board with His program. If we get on board with His program, we're going to have the victory. And guess what? When we're on God's program, when we're surrendered to the will of God, do you realize we win even if you personally lose? What does that mean? It means, okay, if I, let's say I suffer some kind of tragedy. Let's say something really bad happens to me. Well, if it's in the will of God, all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. God can use that to be glorified. God can use that for His will and for His benefit. And if my life is all about just you know, seeing God's will be, be done, just helping Him win, I'll be okay with going through some hard times. I'll be okay with Him using me in that way. Even if it means I get to a really low point. Even if it means I find myself in a very humbling situation. Even in a, even humiliated. Because think about, I mean, just think about, you know, and Jesus didn't do any of this, alright? Jesus, Jesus didn't do this. But think about when He was on the cross and people were spitting on Him and mocking Him, telling Him to come down off the cross. You know, I've often, when I read that passage, thinking if it was me, I'd have come down off the cross and I'd have showed them all. But do you all realize that actually, the longer he waited, the more he let them run their mouth, the better it would have been if he would have done that. But think about this. It would have really been good if he would have let them kill him, let them get the victory in their minds, and then after three days, he knocks on their door. He shows up at the guy who put the spear through his side. You know, shows up at some of those priest's house. Hey, here I am. You know, Jesus didn't do any of that. Okay, I, I'm thinking like me right now. That's what I would have done. Now think about now think about how glorious that would have been. Okay, think about how I mean that would have been great. That would have been better than coming down off the cross and taking care of all of them one at a time. I mean, like a nightmare or a horror movie or something like that. That's what I would have done, okay? But you know what? You all realize, in a sense, that very thing is going to happen one of these days when He returns at Armageddon. When He returns at the rapture. Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him. And they also that pierced Him. And they shall mourn for Him. Think about that. Think about all these people, these atheists that are out there running their mouth. 
speaking against God, trying to keep them out of everything. Think about their faces when He shows up. That's actually going to be even better than what I said. You see, the longer it waits, the better it is. And the lower we get, the worse off we are, the better it's going to be when God exalts us. And even if, and if, the truth is, I personally would like to you know see some of these things in my lifetime. But if I go to the grave in shame, but in the will of God, it's just going to be that much better on Judgment Day. All those people that stand around my casket, you know, he should have listened. You know, he should have. It'd be better. Yeah, I'd rather rise from the dead right then. It's like I told you so. But it would actually be better. It would actually be better if they all get to watch Jesus say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, on Judgment Day. The longer it waits, the better. You see, what we just, we've got to learn to do is just get in on God's program. And just get on, get on His side. And, you know, while we might not always be okay with where we're at and what our future is looking like, we need to remember that God's future is going to be great. You know, and what will that do for us? Alright? What will that do for us when we just get focused on God's future? Okay? Well, it will cause us to pray like Jesus. In Matthew 26.38, Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as Thou wilt. We see that Jesus, in that prayer, He poured His heart out. In John, when it kind of goes through that prayer and what He said, you know what He's doing? I mean, he that's that was a prayer of the afflicted right there. That was a I mean, and he was sorrowful even unto death. I mean, he's sweating as it were great drops of blood. The Bible says he truly was in pain. He truly was in anguish. And what did he do? Jesus Christ Himself, he just poured out his heart to the Father. And you know what God's will was in that situation was for him to be shamed, for him to be mocked, for him to suffer. But you know what? He humbled himself. Because he was focused on the will of God, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And you know what? Because of that, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. If we'll get in on God's program, if we'll just get focused on, hey, as long as everything's good with God, then I'm okay. doesn't matter if my life's a mess. doesn't matter if everything's going bad for me. I just want God's will to be done. And if God's will, if God can use me to accomplish His will in my life, I'm okay with that. I'm on his side. I'm with him. Everything's okay in his house. And as long as I'm with him, then it's good for me too. We ought, we ought to have, it's kind of like that too as, as parents, alright, with your kids. Okay, what do you want for your kids? You just want them to be happy, right? And when your kids are happy, you're happy. That's what I want. You know, I hate the thought of my you know, my kids growing up and leaving the house and getting married and all that stuff and giving away my daughters. You know, I don't like the thought of that, but you know what? If they're happy, I'll be happy. As a parent, that's just kind of one of your things, isn't it? You just want your kids to be happy. And if your kids grow up and they turn out happy, they're living for the Lord, you're going to be thrilled to death. And truth is, if we have that same attitude, hey, I just want to make God happy. Whatever makes Him happy, that's good for me. 
that's my will for my life. And then your situation will be irrelevant. You, it, it, won't even, it won't even matter anymore. And so I hope that was a help to you. And I hope you did. I, I hope you'll uh, learn from this. And if you don't need this right now, you're going to need it one of these days. You better keep these things in mind. You better make some notes on this. And you better put it into practice because we all are going to have those days where we feel afflicted and we're feeling this way. And this is the key to getting through it. So I hope this will help you. With that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness to us, for the ability to pray. We thank you for the example of prayer you've given us in the Bible. And I pray you'll help us to do that. I pray you'll help us to just uh, get on board with seeing your will be done and just trying to please you in everything we do. And I pray you'll uh, just bless everyone as they go their separate ways this week. In your name we pray. Amen.